Chapter 5 Calipigian Having shapely buttocks Nice one bridge My best friend is a word fiend. One of her most prized possessions is her OED, which she bought for practically nothing at a yard sale two years ago. The Oxford English Dictionary is a 20-volume set that not only provides definitions of words but their histories as well. Bridge is always throwing big words into conversations, because she loves to watch people squirm and bluff their way around them. I learned a long time ago not to pretend to know what she was talking about. She'd call me on it every time. So Bridget collects words and, apparently, my life. I can't believe mom hired her to watch Sean. I know she's the best choice, since we were always watching him together, but still. It's weird she's there without me. And it's weird that she's talking to my mom while I'm stuck here on the other side of the world. Next she'll tell me she got a second job at the movie theater. Speaking of, Toph hasn't emailed me in two days. It's not like I expected him to write every day or even every week, but, there was an undeniable something between us. I mean, we kissed. Will this thing, whatever it is, end now that I'm here? His real name is Christopher, but he hates being called Chris, so he goes by Toph instead. He has shocking green eyes and wicked sideburns. We're both left-handed, we both love the fake nacho cheese at the concession stand, and we both hate Cuba Gooding Jr. I've crushed on Toph since my first day on the job, when he stuck his head under the icy machine and guzzled it straight from the tap to make me laugh. He had blue raspberry mouth for the rest of his shift. Not many people can pull off blue teeth. But believe me, Toph can. I refresh my inbox, just in case, but nothing new appears. I've been planted in front of my computer for several hours, waiting for Bridge to get out of school. I'm glad she emailed me. For some reason, I wanted her to write first. Maybe because I wanted her to think I was so happy and busy that I didn't have time to talk. When, in reality, I'm sad and alone. And hungry. My mini-fridge is empty. I had dinner in the cafeteria but avoided the main food line again, stuffing myself with more bread, which only lasts so long. Maybe St. Clair will order breakfast for me again in the morning. Or Meredith, I bet she'd do it. I reply to Bridge, telling her about my new sort of friends, the crazy cafeteria with restaurant-quality food, and the giant Pontéon down the road. Despite myself, I describe St. Clair, and mention how in physics he leaned over Meredith to borrow a pen from me, right when Professor Wakefield was assigning lab partners. So the teacher thought he was sitting next to me, and now St. Clair is my lab partner for the whole year. Which was the best thing that happened all day. I also tell Bridge about the mysterious life class, La Vie, because she and I spent the entire summer speculating. Me, I bet we'll debate the Big Bang and the meaning of life. Bridge, dude, they'll probably teach you breathing techniques and how to convert food into energy, all we did today was sit quietly and work on homework. What a pity dot I spent the period reading the first novel assigned for English. And, wow. If I hadn't realized I was in France yet, I do now. Because like water for chocolate has sex in it. Lots of sex. A woman's desire literally lights a building on fire, and then a soldier throws her naked body onto a horse, and they totally do it while galloping away. There's no way they would have let me read this back in the Bible Belt. The sexiest we ever got was the Scarlet Letter. I must tell Bridge about this book. It's almost midnight when I finish the email, but the hallway is still noisy. The juniors and seniors have a lot of freedom because, supposedly, we're mature enough to handle it. I am, but I have serious doubts as to my classmates. 
The senior across the hall already has a pyramid of beer bottles stacked outside his door because, in Paris, the drinking age is 18. Another thing that feels totally weird around here. I wonder if my mother had any idea it'd be legal for me to get wasted when she agreed to this. She looked pretty surprised when they mentioned it at the life skills seminars, and I got a long lecture on responsibility that night at dinner. But I don't plan on getting drunk. I've always thought beer smells like urine. There are a few part-timers who work the front desk, but only one live-in residence director. His name is Nate, and his apartment is on the first floor. He's in graduate school at some university around here. Soap must pay him a lot to live with us. Nate is in his 20s, and he's short and pale and has a shaved head. Which sounds strange but is actually attractive. He's soft-spoken and seems like the kind of guy who'd be a good listener, but his tone exudes responsibility and a don't-mess-with-me attitude. My parents loved him. He also has a bowl of condoms next to his door. I wonder if my parents saw that. The freshmen and sophomores are in another dormitory. They have to share rooms, and their floors are divided by sex, and they have tons of supervision. They also have enforced curfews. We don't. We just have to sign a log whenever we come and go at night so Nate knows we're still alive. Yeah. I'm sure no one ever takes advantage of this high security. I drag myself down the hall to use the bathroom. I take my place in line, there's always a line, even at midnight, behind Amanda, the girl who attacks St. Clair at breakfast. She smirks at my faded jeans and my vintage orange crush t-shirt. I didn't know she lived on my floor. Super. We don't speak. I trace the floral pattern on the wallpaper with my fingers. Residence Lambert is a peculiar mix of Parisian refinement and teenage practicality. Crystal light fixtures give the dormitory halls a golden glow, but fluorescent bulbs hum inside our bedrooms. The floors are glossy hardwood but lined with industrial-grade rugs. Fresh flowers and Tiffany lamps grace the lobby, but the chairs are ratty love seats, and the tables are carved with initials and rude words. So you're the new Brandon, Amanda says. Excuse me? Brandon. Number 25. He was expelled from school last year. One of the teachers found coke in his backpack. She looks me over again and frowns. Where are you from, anyway? But I know what she's really asking. She wants to know why they picked someone like me to take his place. Atlanta. Oh, she says. As if that explains my complete and utter hickness. Screw her. It's one of the largest cities in America. So you and St. Clair seemed pretty friendly at breakfast. Um. Is she threatened by me? I wouldn't get any ideas if I were you, she continues. Not even you're pretty enough to steal him from his girlfriend. They've been together forever. Was that a compliment? Or not? Her emphasizing thing is really getting on my nerves. My nerves, Amanda gives a fake, bored yawn. Interesting hair. I touch it self-consciously. Thanks. My friend bleached it. Bridge added the thick band to my dark brown hair just last week. Normally, I keep the stripe tucked behind my right ear, but tonight it's back in a ponytail. Do you like it? She asks. Universal bitch speak for I think it's hideous. I drop my hand. Yeah. That's why I did it. You know, I wouldn't pull it back like that. You kinda look like a skunk. At least she doesn't reek like one. Rashmi appears behind me. She'd been visiting Meredith, I'd heard their muffled voices through my walls. Delightful perfume, Amanda. Use a little more next time. I don't know if they can smell you in London. Amanda snarls. Nice glasses. 
good one, Rashmi deadpans, but I notice she adjusts them anyway. Her nails are electric blue, the same shade as her frames. She turns to me. I live two floors up, room 601, if you need anything. See you at breakfast. So she doesn't dislike me. Or maybe she just hates Amanda more. Either way, I'm thankful, and I call goodbye to her retreating figure. She waves a hand and moves into the stairwell as Nate comes out of it. He approaches us in his quiet, friendly manner. Going to bed soon, ladies? Amanda smiles sweetly. Of course. Great. Did you have a nice first day, Anna? It's so peculiar how everyone here already knows my name. Yeah. Thanks, Nate. He nods as if I've said something worth thinking about, and then says good night and moves on to the guys hanging out at the other end of the hallway. I hate it when he does that, Amanda says. Does what? Check up on us. What an asshole. The bathroom door opens, and a tiny redhead maneuvers around Amanda, who just stands there like she's queen of the threshold. The girl must be a junior. I don't recognize her from the circle of desks in senior English. God, did you fall in? Amanda asks. The girl's pale skin turns pink. She was just using the restroom, I say. Amanda sashays onto the tile, her fuzzy purple slippers slapping against her heels. She yanks the door shut. Does it look like I care? Skunk girl? Copyright 2010 by Stephanie Perkins